good to be here on the Lord's Day. It's good to have this time to open up God's Holy Word. It's also good to finish up topics that you begin. Wednesday evening, we were having a discussion in the auditorium a class about the importance of change, repenting, growing toward God. Our good brother Paul Gilliland, after class, finished that up for me by coming up and saying to me, he said, you know, once I was addicted to the hokey pokey but I turned myself around. (laughs) So, wanted everybody to be able to finish that discussion up in the proper way. Also, Wednesday evening, it was raining cats and dogs, and the cats and dogs were going sideways. Sort of like last night. All the wind blowing. People were trickling into services here, I was looking out the door this way, and in the midst of all that rain and wind, there was a a body walking toward the door by herself, and it was Euling Logan making her way here. And Euling has has really uh, hung in there this year. About a year ago, uh, we lost our brother. Wendell, Heaven's Gain, uh, also about this time, Sister Julie uh, Carter's father uh, went on to be uh, with the Lord. Several memories from a year ago, uh, but we're trying to stay strong, aren't we, together. We're trying to stay strong together uh, in the Lord and for the Lord. As uh, Brother Tim has been leading, been leading these songs, we're focusing uh, this morning on the idea of standing, standing, taking a stand, taking a stand. What we mean by this is that a Christian must declare himself. As Christians, we must declare ourselves. We must come out of hiding and we must come out in the open. We must publicly and boldly profess and confess our faith before others and before the world. We must uh, take a stand, taking a stand. And I want to just mention four ideals uh, this morning around which we can uh, gather our thoughts, about four ideals. First of all, we must stand for something. We must stand for something. This is, on the outset, this is logical. This is just simply logical. There's an old story, uh, a play, a book, maybe I think it's even a movie, A Fiddler on the Roof, where this Jewish father, uh, he's, um, his occupation is delivering uh, milk, and, and he gets involved in this discussion. And in the discussion, there's a young man and there's an older man. And in the discussion, the, the younger man is bringing forth a lot of uh, new ideas. And the older man in the discussion says, we need to hang on to our, to our traditions. 
when the younger man would, would uh, present his ideal, uh, the Jewish father would say, well, that's right. That's right. And when the older man would, would say, we need to hang on to our traditions, uh, the father would say, well, that's right. And then the, the younger man would come back and, and counter the older man, and he would say, well, you got a good point there. That's, that's right also. And then going back and forth, but all the time, the Jewish father would never take a stand. And we realize that's no way of conducting life uh, whatsoever. It's just logical to realize we must uh, take a stand. If someone comes to you and says, well, what you believe, that is your truth and I have my truth. And he goes on to say, and we ought to all just have our own truth and tolerate each other and get along with each other and not be taking these different stands. That way we can all have peace. Well, what that man doesn't realize is that he is taking a stand for the ideal of not taking a stand. Okay. He is being very firm about the fact that we should not be firm. Okay. It's just basically impossible not to take a stand. So we must stand for something. We must stand uh, for something. Not only is this logical, but this is, of course, very scriptural. Very scriptural. Let's notice a few scriptures together. Joshua 24 Verse 15, Joshua said, um, as for me and my house, uh, we will serve the Lord. Remember that? But as for me and my house, we will uh, serve the Lord. You might recall in 1 Kings 18, 21, that the great prophet Elijah was looking to his own people. And they were being very indecisive between God and uh, Baal worship. And he said, uh, why do you keep on limping between the two opinions. If the Lord be God, follow Him. If Baal be God, then follow Him. But stop limping between the two uh, gods. Quit limping between the two opinions. We must stand for something. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20. Moses speaking to the generation who were about to go in and and um, settle into the new land and conquer the new land. He said, now the Lord your God sets before you uh, two choices, two ways. Life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life, he says. Choose life. Matthew 6, 24, Jesus says, no man can serve two masters. For either he will, he, either he will love the one and hate the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. But nonetheless, no man can serve two masters. Jesus says in Matthew 12 and verse 30, He that is not with me is against me. He that gathers not with me scatters abroad. You recall Jesus speaking to a man who was, who was considering following him. And he looked at that man he said, Now, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Luke 9.62 No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, he must make up his mind. And so the first ideal here is to, to stand for something. We must stand for something. This is not always easy. Because to stand for something automatically means you're against another thing or two. But we must stand 
for something. I, I happen to believe this is a good segue into beginning a faith discussion with someone. Because everybody in their minds, most people think logically, okay, at least a time or two in their life. And so mo- most people understand you have, to, you have to stand for something. You can't even conduct life without standing for something. So it may be a very good way to uh, begin a, a discussion about faith and how it's so necessary to have a standard of faith and it's so necessary to, to stick with the Lord and it may very well be. You know, to try to not stand for anything uh, is just a, a despicable character trait. No, the idea of uh, straddling the fence just a very picture of trying someone trying to straddle the fence is is a picture that is very um, uncomfortable, and so it is in religion to try to straddle the fence is uncomfortable. The middle of the road. What's in the middle of the road? Well, there's a yellow line and dead possums. But think about that a little bit further. There's a yellow line, which means basically to try to be in the middle of the road is the height of being a coward. But then the idea of trying to be in the middle of the road always leads to death, and it will lead to spiritual death. So our first idea here this morning together is to stand for something. We must stand for something. The second idea I want us to think about is that we must stand for that which is right. We must stand for that which is right. A few verses together. First of all, we must stand in the Lord. If you look in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, a very, very beautiful passage. Philippians 4 and verse 1. Philippians 4, verse 1. Notice Paul's words. He says, Therefore, my brothers, Philippians 4, verse 1, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, My joy, my crown, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Now, Paul loves his brothers and sisters in Christ. And we all seek to grow in that as well, and to be like Paul in this manner. He looks to them as his his beloved. He says, I love you, and I long for you. I long to see you the next time, and I long to be in heaven with you. And he encourages them to stand in the Lord, stand Firm in the Lord. In the Lord. We must stand for that which is right. To stand firm in the Lord is, in the very least, is to stand up for Jesus and His salvation. It's to stand up for Jesus and His salvation. And since we're thinking about standing, when you think about the steps to salvation, hearing the message of God, believing in the Lord, who He is, Repenting of our sins, confessing our faith before others, and being immersed in water for the remission of sins. Let's not let's not lightly look at um, let's not just lightly discuss the idea of confession. Confession. Let's not be quick to jump over the step of salvation we refer to as confessing our faith. Notice with me in First Timothy six and verse twelve. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12, Paul says, Fight the good fight of the faith. Lay hold on eternal life. And then he says this, 
to which you were called and about which you made the good confession. Okay, so Paul goes back into the past life of Timothy. He says, Timothy, remember, you were called to this eternal life. And when you were called to this eternal life through the gospel, when you were called to this eternal life, it was at that moment that you made the good confession. And we remember that Philip asked the eunuch in Acts chapter 8, 35 to 39, when the the eunuch said, here is water, what does hinder me from being baptized? Philip said, well, you may if you believe. He says, "I, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They both went down into the water. Philip baptized him. The eunuch went on his way uh, rejoicing. Let us not be too quick to jump over the importance of confessing. The Lord expects us to come out of hiding. He he expects us to step forth. it's, It's important in this process to separate ourselves from worldly matters. Come out from among the world. But also the Lord expects us to go into the world and to boldly proclaim who we are now and why we are who we are. So it's important in the second place this morning to stand for the right thing. Stand for the right thing. Stand firm in the Lord. Also notice with me 1 Corinthians 16, uh, 13. 1 Corinthians uh, 16, 13, where there Paul says something about standing in the faith, standing in the faith. Look down in your Bibles and notice it. Here in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 16, Paul says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like a man, be strong and let all that you do be done in love. Notice there he says, where Paul says in Philippians 4, 1, stand in the Lord here he says, stand firm in the faith. In the faith. Here, the idea of faith most likely refers to the gospel, the word of God. The word of God. Let your eyes go back to chapter 15, uh, beginning in verse 1, where Paul says, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you also now stand by which you also are being saved, if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you unless you believed uh, in vain. It's the idea of standing in the faith. The faith. You know, Galatians 1.23 speaks of the fact that at one time, Paul persecuted the faith. And now he is preaching that same faith. Acts 6 verse 7 refers to the fact that in the early days, Many of the priests were obedient to the faith. They were obedient to the gospel, the word of God, so that they can obtain forgiveness of their sins. And so we need to stand firm in the faith. That means that all of what the Lord has to say to us in the gospel system, we need to be ready to learn about it, to talk about it, to teach it, and to share it with other people. We can't be... We can't be afraid, we can't be fearful, we can't be uh, negligent, we, we, can't, um, we can't hold back from teaching all that the Lord has, would have us to say. Even such things as the final destiny of heaven and hell, uh, 
such things as what the truth is about marriage and, and divorce and remarriage, the, the ideal of, of who we are, male and female, before God, uh, the ideal of respecting the silent of, silence of the scriptures when it comes to worshiping and, and staying away from mechanical instruments of music uh, in worship, uh, just as we mentioned a second ago, uh, bringing forth the truth, all of the truth on, on how one obtains the, the forgiveness of sin, standing up for, for not dividing the church, but holding to the truth and being one, growing in love together. All that the, the Bible would say, all that the Bible would have to be in our hearts, all that the, the Lord would have us to share with others, we must be ready uh, to bring that out. That means that we need to stand firm in the faith. Galatians 5 verse 1 uh, speaks of standing firm in the freedom that Christ has brought to us. You can notice that in Galatians 5 verse 1. Paul actually says there, For freedom Christ has set us free. It's kind of a strange way of saying it, but he actually says it that way. For freedom Christ has set us free. And don't be, again, entangled in the yoke of bondage, referring to the old law of Moses. There are many ways in which Jesus has set, can set us free and has set us free as Christians. We are now free from sin, Romans 6, 17 and 18. We are free from sin. But we are also free from any law or philosophy that cannot bring us this forgiveness. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free, John 8, 31 and 32. Okay. And so it is such a blessing now that we have come to see Jesus and know who he is that we don't have to be entangled in any other law, any other commandment of man, any other philosophy. We are now, we are now being set free because we have the perfect gospel system to help us in this life and that which is to come. The Lord has set us free from the old law of Moses. It was actually a, a law and a system that would prepare us to receive Jesus. And now, in Paul's day, there were some who were wanting to go back to that and entangle themselves in all of that again. And Paul was saying, don't go back and make yourself in bondage again. Rejoice and see what the Lord has brought you uh, through Jesus Christ. We don't have to be bound to, to human authority anymore. Human laws and commands. We have the gospel system. The Lord has set us free to do good works. Titus 2.14 says we, are now, we now should be zealous of good works. We don't have to have any other human being to tell us to go out here and do good works. We have been set free in Christ, so therefore we want everybody to enjoy this freedom. We have been set free to go and do good works. A lot of these works we do together, some of these works we do on our own, but we are Christians and we're going out every day into this dark world trying to shine the light for Jesus. We need to rejoice in these things and the freedom the Lord has brought to us. You see, not only stand for something, but stand for the right things. The right things. A third idea I'd like for us to think about is when we stand for something, then we have nothing to lose. But if we don't stand for something, then we lose everything. 
If we don't stand for the Lord, then we are left with nothing. That's really the third idea. If we don't stand for the Lord, then we are left for nothing. I wonder why it is that so many tolerate so much that they know is not right. Why do people tolerate so much that they know deep down is not right, but they still tolerate? Probably because they want something from this toleration. This, this patience that they're having with this corruption, they want something from it. A politician might tolerate corruption because he wants to seek favor with people. Okay. Maybe when we were younger we, we tolerated foul language and bad talk because we wanted to keep certain, certain friends in our lives. Okay. But usually when we're tolerating something it's because we have some kind of inner desire that we want to see fulfilled. We need to stop and ask ourselves, okay, what it is it that I am tolerating? Who is it that I'm, I'm tolerating? And why am I doing this? Will this do me any eternal good? Is this really good for my heart in the first place? Not making a stand for the Lord is equal to doubt. You know, Jesus... James says in James 1, beginning in verse 5, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men in a very liberal way, and he upbraids not. But let him ask in faith, nothing doubting. Nothing doubting. For he that doubts is like, is like, is like a wave driven by the wind, tossed to and fro like, like wind driving the waves of, of the sea. Let not that man think that he's going to receive anything of the Lord. A, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Okay. So if we're not taking a stand, we're going to be left with nothing. With nothing. Let not that man think he's going to receive anything of the Lord. He may be receiving blessings in life, but in the end, he's not going to be with the Lord. He must take a stand. Matthew 5, you remember Jesus' Sermon on the Mount speaking about the fact that we should be the salt of the earth and that the salt has lost its savor. What happens? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. You see, if we don't stand for the Lord, then we are left uh, with nothing. The fourth idea I want to share quickly uh, with you is to stand for the right thing for the right reasons. Okay. So just following our line of thought this morning, we've got to stand for something. We've got to stand for those things which are right. If we don't stand for what the Lord would have us to stand for, then we're going to be left with nothing. And finally, we've got to stand for the right reason. There are some folks that just stand for Satan himself. They have it in for God. For some reason or another, they despise, they despise the Bible. They despise Christianity. And they make it their mission in life to do everything contrary to what the Lord would have us to, to be and to do. There are some that just stand for Satan. Some are not really that interested in Satan. They're just standing for their self. They just stand for themselves. 
whatever it is that benefits me the most, that's, that's where I stand. That's, where I stand. That's, the, that's the majority of the people. But then there are some, and this is where we want to be. There are some that stand for the Savior. It's either Satan, self, or Savior. There are some who stand for the Savior. Why would a person stand for the Savior? Well, did you listen to the song? Just a few minutes ago, I'll be a friend to Jesus. The reason we stand for Jesus is because He first stood for us. He stood in Pilate's hall. He took all of that mocking. He took all of that foolishness. He took all those false accusations. He took all those lies being said about him. He took all those men doing those things to him in a very despicable way. He could have, he could have banished them within a second. After all, the Lord Jesus spoke this world into existence. He could have certainly banished those men before him. But he first stood for us. And he continues to stand for us, by the way. The passage is 1 John 2, 1 and 2. 1 John 2, 1 and 2. I want you to notice that this morning. 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2. John writes, he says, My brethren, I write these things unto you that you may not sin. That in itself is powerful. We were speaking Wednesday night about change and how the Lord expects us to grow more and more toward maturity. And it is quite possible, even though we'll never become perfect by, by no means, we all have our weaknesses. We'll never become perfect, but it's entirely possible to overcome sin. How? By looking at the things which are written. My brethren, I write these things unto you that you may not sin. But if any man sins, we have what? We have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. An advocate stands for you. And that's what the Lord continues to do. Do you have anybody on your side? Is anybody in your corner? Jesus continues to stand for us. We need Him there because of our sinfulness, because of our weaknesses. We need Him there. And He's there for us. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous who gave himself as a propitiation for our sins, a covering for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the entire world. We rejoice in that. In just a few moments, Brother Larry will lead us as we gather around the communion table. We'll be thinking about these very thoughts from 1 John 2, 1 and 2, and numerous other thoughts about sacrifice of our Lord. But I want you to think about this. The reason we stand is because He stands for us. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Is that your theme 
in your life? Is that your theme for this new year that we're facing? We invite you to come home to your Lord right now as we stand together. As we sing, let's all stand and sing.